what do they say, growing old is inevitable, growing up is optional. Yeah, and choose not to do it. <laughs> ah, praise God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. If you are following along this morning, uh, turn to that passage of scripture and we will read down to verse 27. Lord, I just pray today that you would anoint your word. Lord, this is your living word to us. It's not just a book, Lord, it's your living word. It's an alive word. It's able to do remarkable things. And God, I pray that you would anoint the word spoken this morning, the word read, and Lord, impart it to our lives, I ask in your precious name. Amen. Praise God. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to, came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marvelled, saying, who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who can he be? I know who he is. Amen? We know who he is. So this account of him crossing the, uh, the Sea of Galilee is also in uh, Mark and Luke's Gospels. It's in the three synoptic Gospels. And it's interesting when you put the three passages together, there's a few little things Others go in more detail, less in other places, etc., etc. Now, when he got into a boat, I think it's in Mark's and Luke's, it says, um, uh, he said, let's cross over to the other side, and they got into the boat, etc., etc. But um, uh, so what, what is going on here? Well, very simply, Jesus, prompted by the Spirit within, uh, led by the Spirit, he walked in the Spirit as we can and should be doing, as Christian people, and uh, so he's got this little prompting that, hey, someone, someone on the other side of the lake in Gadarene country needs deliverance. There's, there's something I'm needed there for. So in the boat, we're going to cross over. We're going across the other side. And uh, it's no different than when we obey the Spirit of God. Uh, God calls us to do something, well, then we need to be obedient and do what God's called us to do. And what we should do is dependent on the situation and what it is. Uh, there's only so much we can do. A lot will depend on God stepping out and meeting us when we step out in obedience. So uh, all he could do at this point was get on a boat and take an action of crossing the lake and going to where he knew he was needed. And he had done that. He didn't delay, he didn't dilly-dally around, he didn't fast and pray for 40 days, he didn't uh, 
uh, seek God endlessly. He just felt this inkling in his spirit. There was something stirring him. And so he's acted on that and he's on the boat and he's going. And that was pretty simple for Jesus. Um, uh, but, you know, what happens next is interesting and it's often something that happens to us. So we can learn lots out of what we're going to uh, see in these next verses today. Uh, Matthew eleven fifteen says, um, uh, uh, off the top of my head, anyone with, uh, uh, if you've got ears to hear, uh, hear, or uh, if you've got ears to hear, I think uh, I wrote down the New Living, uh, if, if, uh, if anyone with ears to hear, uh, let him hear, the, uh, the old, uh, my new King James says, uh, New Living says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So we want to listen today and understand what God is uh, wanting us to see from the scriptures today. So what happens next is that a violent storm blows up. A violent wind, it was pretty windy yesterday, wasn't it? Or was that Friday, Friday on Friday afternoon, evening was windy, wasn't it? Man, I tell you what, fly screens blew off a window at our place and struck the limo. That was, uh, didn't, didn't mark it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we call Pam's car the limo because uh, when we ride in my car, Pammy, I can hold her hand, she's just right there when it's, when it's in her dad's old Toyota Avalon. I can't hardly touch her. She's way over here. It's wide and and you get lost in the footwell. You can fit an elephant in there. It's huge. So I call it the limo. And so buckets with mops in were blowing over and I went out and checked that all my golf equipment and my motorbike were okay. But I don't know what else is going on on the property, but it was very, very, very windy. I know that. So you can imagine a wind way worse than that blows up. And then the seas obviously follow the wind and they're rocking and rolling the boat. And it says in uh, 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 Mark and Luke's version that it was filling the boat. So if the boat's filling up with water, only one thing's going to happen and it's going to go down in normal circumstances. So uh, it's filling up with water. And uh, uh, but just to say there, when you step out in obedience to God, often something will stir up quickly and often violently. And I'll guarantee you that it's nearly always demonically based. Like the devil don't want us doing what God wants us to do, ever. And so what's the best time to stop something? Why let it get established and get going? Why not cut it off at the pass? That's what he often tries to do. And so you will get this opposition that comes to get, you know. And sometimes if we're not really sure what we're doing, we think, oh, am I doing something wrong? Well, if we step out with clear calling from God to do something, no, we're not doing anything wrong. It's probably a sign we're doing everything right. And so this great opposition uh, uh, comes against them. And uh, But what we're seeing here that goes on in the boat is two different reactions to the same event. Uh, I call the message today two different ways of thinking. 
And so uh, what's going on here is that there, there were two different reactions to the same event that took place in the boat today. So the disciples observed the wind and the waves and I, uh, I haven't even uh, studied this and sort of sorted this out, but like you've got James and John and Peter and Andrew and I'm trying to think who else were fishermen. There was at least those four, weren't there? So there, there might be eight that weren't fishermen, I don't know, but there was at least some fishermen on the boat who understood conditions and everything else and I guess that if they were frightened, it must have been fairly frightening. I can, I can understand that. Um, and, and for the eight who maybe not so uh, boat-wise, it might have been real scary, I don't know. Um, but it, it was filling with water, etc., etc. And so they cry out, Lord, save us, we are perishing. We're not going to the other side, we're going to the bottom. Quick, Lord, help. They, they were really freaking out. You could probably understand that, couldn't you? You know, I, I, I can see, you know, in the situation and in their newness in faith, like they didn't really know what was going on. They, they had followed Jesus' call to follow him and were thinking this is, this is the Messiah, this is, you know, because, you know, I think I said a couple of weeks ago there, there had been a lot of Messiahs come. And you read through the book of Acts and you find reference to it at times and, uh, and Matthew 24 and Revelation will allude to, you know, and there was different ones that rose up and said, hey, I'm the one that was promised and I'm the one that's promised and it always ended in disappointment and, and you know, death and whatever else. And so here's another man who comes and, but this man was different, this was the Messiah, Amen. For you know the the forerunner John the Baptist declared and uh, with miracles in his ministry and whatever and so um, this was different but they cried out to Jesus and, and then we have Jesus he's the other side of the of the um, of the of the uh, you know this is the other way of thinking if you like the boat's covered with waves swilling with water but he's asleep asleep sound asleep very peacefully asleep. It doesn't say that he was stirring or anything. He probably would have slept right through. And, and I'll tell you why that is so in a moment, see? And, and so he, he, was, he was awakened. And it doesn't say that he was like a bear with a sore head. I, what are you like when you're awakened suddenly? It's, it's hard when you get awakened suddenly, isn't it? I'm not as good at it as I used to be. I don't have such good balance these days. And so, yeah, phone goes and you get out of bed and, yeah. I got out one night and ended up in another bedroom and I'm thinking I was in the kitchen. I didn't know where I was. <laughs> no wonder I couldn't find anything. I was half asleep. And Am I awake? Am I asleep? And uh, I've known some people who you, you just wouldn't want to wake them any time and you get your head bitten off. I... I can I can remember my wife's uh, uh, her dad's got a shed that was sort of probably easily as big or probably yeah from here to the wall deep and longer than this a big machinery shed on the farm and and you had chickens in there did you not in the, you had heaters in there would 
a light in there. What's that so they can see at night and not get frightened? Or what, what do you, Why do chickens have lights? I don't know. Why do they cross the road? I don't know that either. But that was to keep them warm or something, is it? Yeah. And so Pam was only little and she woke, was awakened by a light down at the house, which is a, a little way down the track, and, and looked out her window and the shed was... The, the, something that happened. I don't know whether they knocked it out or something happened. And... The uh, chickens got, it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, they were roasted and and the fire had gotten into the, uh, uh, what's this, the, uh, what's the stuff you put over before you put the iron on? The isolation that was, that used to have tar in it and stuff back in, this is a long time ago, and so it had gotten in that and the shed was on fire. And Pam was so scared of her dad and what he would be like if he was woken suddenly, she didn't know what to do. So she's so nice, she went over to her sister and woke her and who, did she tell him? She, she said, do you think I should wake dad? And she said, I would think so if the shed's on fire. So Pam, Pam went and woke him and uh, so, uh, yeah, he used to react very suddenly, didn't he? We, we woke him one other time with a phone call because we were with a couple of Pam's brothers and whatever. We were coming back from somewhere and it was a bit of an accident. We needed someone with a car to come and tow another car and we rang him and he jumped out of bed at one o'clock in the morning and in such a state that he was trying to open the wardrobe door and wondered why it wouldn't turn and it only had... He nearly broke it and then bang, you can hear all these noises and think, what's going on here? But it was a terrible state. So <clears throat> they awakened Jesus suddenly. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? So just remember the word fear is in there, okay? Why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. That would be a little bit discouraging if you were trying to start out a faith ministry, wasn't it? When you look at the ministries that the apostles ended up having, that would have been a bit of a discouraging moment. Why are you so fearful, you of little faith? But you look around and I thought we got reason, Jesus, but he just speaks to the problem. Didn't speak about it didn't say, goodness me, we could all die here. Oh, my goodness me, I better do this. He didn't do that. He spoke to the problem. And uh, basically he said, be still. Shut up and be still. Peace. And it was. And they're thinking, wow. He commands and things obey him. Do you know that we can do that too? Seriously, I just want to talk about some of these things this morning. Why are you so fearful? He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So there's two different ways of reacting to an event, brought about by two different ways of thinking. You see, the disciples had not yet been renewed in their minds. They were new. Uh, they were on the process of learning uh, this was a journey for them. This was early on in the journey. And so they're not born again by the Spirit of God, believers baptised in the Holy Ghost, their minds being renewed by the Word. The Word wasn't written yet. They had the old Word. They had the living Word with them. But they were learning. And who's, who, who can say, I know everything? They, I don't. 
and they didn't. They, they were on their way to learning and, uh, and they just had a lot of humanity in like we do. Who can here today say that you've never been frightened in any event? You just so trusted God. Mate, I can remember a tractor rolling over on me, Dale, and, mate, I jumped out through the roof and was up on the bank watching it by the time it hit the ground, you know, like no calmly sitting in the thing, I can tell you. Let me out of here. Oh, man, I can remember pranging motorbikes at ridiculous high speeds and being very fearful <laughs> until it stopped. And I sort of felt that my legs would move and my toes, and I thought, why, I think I'm all right. <laughs> wow. And uh, so as humans, we can get like that, and I can see why they got like that. But, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their mind's not renewed. They're thinking, see, if there's fear there, fear mixes with imagination. See, every, everything God's built into us has good and bad in it. You say fear is a horrible thing. It's a source of so much drama in humanity. Fear fuels. So you, you get fear. I know people that are so fearful of getting cancer because their parents had cancer. They just, every time they got a pain somewhere, oh, go to the. It, mate, it's a terrible way to live. But I'm scared of tiger snakes too. And it's a very good fear to have, you know, like I know people that have died because they've got bitten. And so you understand, I'm, I understand if you put your hand on a hot plate, it jolly well hurts. And so I'm scared of doing that, you know. So fear's got good and bad. Imagination is a marvellous thing. Look at some of the creative things on the earth today done by people with just such incredible imagination. Do you want to build a new shop? Well, I, I, I could draft one up, just put a window here and, I mean, you know, do the job. I know if you've got someone like Christy or, or uh, Lisa's not here, I think, today, but, yeah, they can think of, oh, they just have it looking like you wanted to go in and spend your money, you know. I don't know how they do it, but they've got imagination, but imagination can be a horrible bad thing as well. You know, you can imagine things that are not even real. And you mix that, they're fearful, the winds blow up, and then they're imagining what's going to happen here, If not, you know. And so they've got themselves into a state, uh, you know, you could say that fear plus imagination cancels faith out. There's no faith. And it can do that to you, can't it? I, I think I can remember telling you people, I went out one night with my mum and dad when I was only... Little, only, only about seven or eight, I think I was, if I can recall properly. But they went and watched, a, a, it was a movie or a documentary on the Second World War. And um, there was actual footage of the German tanks approaching St. Petersburg when they went into Russia. And it was just horrific seeing them fire into the city and it, it was all falling down and there was people everywhere. Just, it was horrible. And, you know, you people don't know you're alive today. Some of you older ones here, like, I had a terrible childhood. Who's ever had to go to the loo before you went to sleep? Everyone? And you go into your nice loo with your white throne that Cool was talking about last week. We had an old shed down under the pepper tree way down the back with a big hole. That was what we had when I was a boy, and so... I remember the couple of the nights after watching this war movie and, and you know, and our, we, we lived on the last street in the town of Coabram and behind our place there was just paddocks and bush, you know, it was just in, 
And I remember going to the toilet and I, I was just, I could hear the Russian or the German tanks coming. I could just, I could hear noises and something fell out of the tree and hit the roof. Of the, and I did, man, talk about quick back to the house. Usain Bolt wouldn't have had a hope of catching me. I was fearful. And Dad says, what's wrong? The Germans are coming. He just, he just laughed at me. <laughs> I thought, how unsympathetic are you, <laughs> laughing at a poor little boy? The, the Germans weren't coming, <laughs> but in my imagination, I was sure they were, you know. But we can, that's, that's how it can be at times. I want to show you some more stuff about this this morning. Let me, let me give you some more teaching on all this this morning. So, fear, uh, fills, uh, uh, fear and imagination kills faith. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. You'll know the passage I'm going to, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The first one, which is, is in verse 5, casting down, and says in my old King James, imaginations. In yours it may say arguments. But it's what goes on in your mind. It's the thought process that gets in, in your mind after fear and imagination gets a hold of you. And that's, that can just be such a stronghold in us and it needs dealing with, it needs pulling down and demolishing. And so yours will say something like demolishing arguments, etc., etc. The original word, Strong's word there is computations. Compute-er. Compute. It's what your brain computes when it's confronted by fear and imagination mixed together and you can imagine the horrible death by cancer, you're going to die because you've got a pain here, and it's nothing to do with anything, but you can get yourself into such a state that your body can react and get crook. Seriously, like it's stuff that needs dealing with and chucking down and demolishing and getting out of our lives, it really does. So uh, when you say, I am living in obedience to Christ, Father has everything under control and I am trusting in him, Philippians 4.7 actually works. It actually works. You know that scripture, I'm sure you do. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you read that? We just think, oh, well, it gives us peace. Well, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard our thinking and whatever, you know. When we hand it over and we trust Father, it works. It works. Amen? It really honestly works. So it's one that needs demolishing and fixing up if we're ever going to really progress forward in God. Because it's no good living in fear and and tormented with that all our lives and just and it's okay to yell out to Jesus I know we're human and I know sometimes we don't get it and I know sometimes we can get it wrong and I know sometimes we can mess it up but we just don't want to live there forever and I know we can call out to Jesus and he helps but but we want to grow don't we we want to progress we want to get better I do and I, I trust you really do that too so um you know, so I'll say today, don't put up with spiritual attack, especially a spiritual home invasion. Like, seriously. And uh, who knows what I mean? Sometimes you can just get tension. 
why does it come suddenly? What's going on here? Is it this something is happening? You can bet you it's it's spiritual, it's demonic in its in its base. Come come against, you know, and uh and so what would you do today if um if you got home from church and there was someone you didn't know in your house sitting at your table eating the leftover bacon uh uh uh, fettuccine, uh, bacon, uh, carbonara, they, they're sitting there eating your leftovers that you were imagining all church service you were going to have when you got home and they were sitting there eating them. What would you do? Would you say to your wife, gee, well, there's someone in their house. What would I do here? Well, it's your fault. That's what it is. It's your fault. Why is it my fault? Well, it's not mine. And then you're having a big argument about why this person, like, would you, is that what you would do? It's our kids. They always cause trouble. They're always fighting. It's their problem. It's, it's, no, 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 no. Melissa had it right. You'd be ringing the police before you got out of the car. Like, you, you, you know what I mean? You would, and you would say, get out of our, you've got authority. It's your house. Why do we put up with rubbish from spiritual stuff that's not a God? Get out. You've got authority. Is that right? Seriously, you've got authority to get to deal with it, and so you need to do that. But I've got to say, you need to live right before God. Because you think, well, I've got authority to check you do. But if then you're not living right, if then you're doing things that God says you should not do, you're yelling out the front door, get out, and you've left the back door open and they come in and it'll be worse than it was the first time. Seriously, like, and people are silly like that. So we've got to be smart. We need to live right before God. We can't go doing things and, and, living, in, and living lifestyles that are not God-honouring and, and that are not righteous. Because if you do, you open up the, the door of your life to any old thing to come in and there comes a point where you can yell, get out all your life, but it stops working because you're losing your authority because of the way you're living. And so we need to be really careful about that. Amen? You know, like, who was the, who was the, uh, uh, the prophets in, in Acts? It's in, it's in the book of Acts, isn't it? And my memory is deserting me, but uh, they tried to cast out some demons in the name of Jesus, and the demons said, well... We know Jesus, we know Paul, but who are you? And gave him a fair old ripping up. Eh? Like they played against the Mighty Blues when they used to be good. They were bashed up. Big bad time, weren't they? And so you can use throw the name of Jesus around, but it doesn't work if you're not living right and not in submission to him. It's not working. What happened with uh, the Old Testament when uh, the Philistines come against Israel? And the, and the Philistines are beating them and giving them a hard time and they're fearful and all the rest. And so Eli's wicked sons came home and said, hey, we're taking the ark of God out into the battle. It wasn't to be taken out of the place where it was unless God said so. Certainly not out into the battle. Like, like, and so what happened? It got taken. It didn't protect them. They got absolutely wiped out. They, Eli's two sons got killed. It was a disaster for Israel you can't live wrong and then start claiming the word of God. It, it doesn't work like that. Okay, I've got to say that to you today. But when we are, 
we've got great authority and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And we can also rebuke things and we can tell things to go. We've got authority too. Amen? So many places scripture teaches and tells us that. But uh, let me get toward finishing here. Uh, uh, oh, man, I've got too much stuff here today. But, uh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. But key verse for today. Where do you think I would go? Romans 12, 2. It's, the, it's the, probably the base of my ministry, really. And do not be conformed to this world. And that means moulded into the way of living and thinking of this world because you'll run into impossibility after impossibility if you do that. Is that right? And you'll run into endless impossibility if you do that. And uh, you, you don't, keep, don't be conformed to it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or that you may test or discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, when Jesus woke up, or when Jesus went to sleep on the boat, he never, he never sort of went and was drifting off to sleep, catching up on some sleep and thinking, oh, gee, I hope we make it over the other side. Oh, I hope nothing goes wrong. What if a storm blew up? Maybe I better stay awake and... Oh, I don't know what's it like, you know, I hope we get over the other Oh, Father, get us over the other side, please, don't let anything back. I don't think he had a thought of that. Father said, go over here. I've been obedient as far as I can, so we're going over there. Storms, anything else, is just an incidental. It can be dealt with, it's not a problem, you know. So he didn't wake up and, oh, look what's going on, he woke up. So, you know, that's the way we want to live, isn't it? And we can. We can. We can get better and better and better at living that way. Seriously, praise God. Oh, I love that thing. Jesus never, ever spent a day, any, any second of a day, thinking about what people might be thinking of him. Did you know that? You never thought, oh, I hope this robe matches these sandals. I hope my hair's straight today. <laughs> I wonder, did I present that message properly? Oh, I mightn't have been good enough. He just told the truth as it was. He just rocked up where he went. <laughs> he just went where the Spirit led him. You know? Wasn't stressful. He was just obedient. Spoke what the Spirit led him to speak. But he did the homework. He knew the Word. He knew the Old Testament Scriptures. As a man, he had to learn them. But he inspired them by his Spirit, didn't he, originally? But he got to know them off by heart. So you couldn't argue with Jesus. He knew the answers. He had that on his side. He could argue with the scribes and the Pharisees because he knew. He knew what the scriptures really meant, not what they had added on to them, etc., etc., etc. So, folks, we walk by faith, not by sight. Is that right? Not by what we see, not by what we feel. But if we have faith in the Word of God, 
and his word to us in any given situation, we can trust him. Amen? And in the authority in which we stand, in through his name, we have great authority too over all the power of the enemy. There's so many places I could uh, take you to that. Luke 9, 1, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. 10, 19, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We are his disciples also. He sent us out too. It's the same deal. Amen? It is the same deal. Praise God.